Sajid, say hello to everyone. Hi everyone. Hi Max. Fantastic. So we've got a, a really interesting broadcast today with Sajid from uh, the Carbon Trust, and we had one of your colleagues on uh, with a great uh, another broadcast series that we do called um, Healthy and Sustainable Food uh, with with Mark Driscoll with um, uh, Barbara Bray with uh, with Jackie Green, um, and your colleague was fantastic and we wanted to uh, just explore more with the, with the carbon carbon trust um, and why why do we want to explore more so we're very very lucky very blessed to have Sajeev today um, on with us the, the carbon trust is such such an important organization and I do feel within fresh produce and fresh food not only in the UK and, uh, and internationally but we don't we're not creating the links that we need to potentially with the likes of the the carbon trust and with everything that we're picking up this this drive towards um, uh, net zero to uh, sustainability I, I understand that everyone within the fresh produce sector they're very very busy and sometimes it's very difficult to look uh, further than, than than a day out but we need to engage with the likes of Sajiv and his colleagues to find out how we and the Carbon Trust can work together um, to create, being, being frank, a, um, a, a better world. So, so let me just give the, give the introduction, especially for those on the podcast, but also for those on Facebook and, and LinkedIn. Um, so the Carbon Trust is an expert partner for businesses, governments and organisations around the world, supporting them in realising ambitious plans for a sustainable, low-carbon future. They believe that environmental sustainability and economic prosperity can go hand in hand as we address the climate crisis and also the COVID crisis. Their mission is to accelerate the delivery of sustainable, low-carbon economy by helping businesses, governments and organisations across the globe to reduce carbon emissions and increase resource efficiency. So, Sajid, rather than me giving giving you the big um, rah-rah about who you are, but let's let's just um, nominate your title. You are the agricultural footprinting expert for the Carbon Trust, and yeah, you're, no going to be you're going to be discussing with us how farming and the fresh produce sector, um, the businesses could benefit with by working with you and your colleagues. I just want to. I, I, I thought this was great. Actually, I've never done this before. Your bio on Twitter, I think, is fantastic. You are an agricultural emissions expert. You are a sustainability consultant. You're a Liverpool fan. And you're Malawi who loves beef fry and chilled beer. Views express are his own. <laughs> so can, can you tell, before we get into the Carbon Trust, we want to find out about you. Tell us about you. Tell us about your journey. Um, how you got aligned to, to this fantastic organisation of the Carbon Trust. And for those on the podcast, um, Sajiv has got this great backdrop of the world behind him. I'm trying to count all your sites. It's, it's like a dozen <laughs> sites that you've got. Globally. Tell us about you. Who are you, please? Yeah, uh, yeah. Thanks. First of all, thanks, Ma thanks, Max, for the opportunity um, to be on this podcast. So, um, yeah, my name is uh, Sajiv, um, and I'm originally from Kerala, uh, a state in India. Um, so, Kerala is often called as a God's own country, and that's where that Twitter attack came from. Um, people that's from awesome. Kerala are called Malayalis. Um, but um, yeah, like I mean, in terms of my educational experience, um, I'm a have a chemical engineering bachelor's, um, and then I went off to the US and did a master's in uh, industrial ecology and environmental engineering. Wow! Um, but but primarily, like you know, almost all the time uh, during the course of my career and academics and everything, um, my focus has been on agriculture. Um, and once I finished with the US, I went to uh, Austria, uh, you know, in a place called Graz, uh, where I did my PhD in environmental systems. Uh, and that's when I sort of 
came to the UK. Uh, I was working as a postdoctoral research scientist at an institute called Rothamsted Research. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's no, the no. oldest agricultural research institute in the world, uh, or yeah, what they claim. Um, and uh, yeah, and then I made my way into the Carbon Trust. But I think what's important about my journey is that, I mean, all, all across my experiences, I mean, I, I obviously have a quite a strong educational background, but I've also worked with think tanks and consulting firms and research institutes uh, looking at agriculture. But I've always been interested in, you know, like uh, how, how food is produced and uh, and how how the food sector, the agricultural sector, you know, can provide food also like a, it's a source of energy and a source of livelihood, yeah. but, but do that uh, with a very low and minimum environmental impact. Um, and I mean, and I, I, I'm able to work with, you know, at the Carbon Trust and also previously with, with the brightest minds and, and the greatest leaders in terms of leading this transition, right? Which I think is super important. To, to just wind it back a bit, a, a little bit, with your, especially with your chemical engineering background, um, you could have gone and worked for an oil company. You could have, you could have earned gazillions, but you've gone down this environmental path. Um, and, and we're picking this up, especially with, um, with uh, new graduates, new students who are coming through post the, post the pandemic. They actually want to get involved with businesses that, that do good. We, we're talking in our, in our green room about about good companies and, and evil evil companies what what was the driver for you that because presumably you must have you must have had the um uh, dollars figuratively waved at you to join uh big uh capitalist uh, businesses to, to to assist them why did you go down this particular route that's ended some um and um, ended up with you with the carbon trust why that route um, and why not why not a more capitalist route no, I mean, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head, Max. I mean, I guess one of the reasons is like uh, Carbon Trust, for instance, is a mission-led organization. I mean, and, and it feels it feels pretty good going into work. Uh, I mean, at Carbon Trust, yeah. you know, when you're actually working with organizations to make a difference. Um, so it's not only about the the big dollars; it's also about like the impact that you leave on the world. Yeah. Um, and I think uh, personally, I feel like you know, as as an individual, I think there's something that. Obviously, you know, we owe to the planet and also to the future generation in terms of leaving it in a state that can be, you know, used and enjoyed. Yeah. Um, so with that in mind, I mean, and I also I think like I enjoy the positive vibes the companies bring as well, because it's a different thing dealing with them when they're looking to make lots of money and a different thing dealing with them when they're trying to make a positive change. Uh, and you feel a bit empowered when you're like working with them to do that. Um, so I think this sort of vibe, uh, you know, kind of made me choose the field and also like just to add on to that agriculture in itself is a very interesting sector because it, it's one of those sectors isn't it like uh, that obviously in you know, all sectors contribute to uh, global greenhouse gas emissions climate change etc but agriculture is a sector that also gets affected by it directly so you know it not only emits and puts all this bad stuff in the atmosphere but yeah. all the effects like you know increased heat waves or droughts or floods are all felt on food production as well so it's yep. sort of a unique sector to deal with, and, and it's so complex. It's it's not a system like a, a car or a factory where you can put things on it. It's got yep. so many things interacting. Yep. And, yeah, yeah, and that's 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 interesting. Yep, and especially with your uh, academic uh, background, you you must love that. You must relish that, mustn't you? That uh, right, we, we got the we got the problem here, but it, it feels a bit like space. It feels like infinity. It feels like this. There's no solution. We'll go off and find a solution. Yeah, no, exactly, Max. I mean, it, it's, it's super interesting because the, the permutations and combinations of activities and things that happen, you know, in the soil, in terms of, you know, animals, 
it's 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 crazy like i mean feed them when you feed them how you feed them uh, yeah. when you go and do certain operations on the field i mean it's crazy i mean and people you know think farming is you know food production is easy business but i mean we know it's not and obviously yeah. i think people who watched uh, let's say clarkson clarkson's farm i don't know if you had a yeah. chance to watch that <laughs> I mean that that is a that is a great example of like showing people that how 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 risky agriculture is right it's yeah. not easy to make food uh, and it's not easy to make food in the right way so i think people need help uh, and guidance on that yeah it, it's it's fascinating this conversation about Clarkson's farm just give you an example contact of mine who is in Mozambique last weekend very remote area of Mozambique growing um growing exotic veg for the UK and European markets uh, he sat down at a weekend with 10 of his co-workers and they binge watched the whole thing and they all all loved it um and is uh, in in the UK, in the UK on a, on a Sunday uh, evening we have a, pro- a pro- problem we have a program called Country File um and mm-hmm. it, and there's a there's a view that Jeremy Clarkson with five six episodes has done more for UK agriculture in a positive basis than Country File has over 22 years which is should just shows what a fat middle-aged bloke with a with a Lamborghini tractor can 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 do but if it's actually um alerting people as to how difficult farming is and why we need farming and why soil um especially is is so so important and and it's attracting I'm, I'm on a real zeitgeist at the moment about attracting people into in into the sector and hence my question about what why did you not chase working for an oil company and why why you now where where you are that you you there is so much good that can be can be done and talking of good the the carbon trust is is obviously what one of the absolute good guys out there but for those that that aren't aware of the carbon trust can you can you just give us a bit of an understanding as who as to who what why when about about the carbon trust so so we we feel informed and educated please yeah no i mean absolutely i think maxim you gave a you gave a fairly good introduction of the carbon trust so um let me let me try to encapsulate it uh, in my own words so basically the carbon trust was founded in 2001 um so it's been it's been around 20 years uh 2021 years since uh, the establishment of carbon trust um i think we have around uh, 400 over 400 employees and as you can see from the map wow. uh, on, on background uh we are all across the world um and i think the, the idea of carbon trust is like you know we are a global organization that sort of works with you know governments businesses um, you know corporates etc to transition and accelerate uh, sort of like the this transition towards low carbon economy uh, and we do that in a variety of ways uh, you know we we work across a range of sectors like i mean obviously agriculture and food is one but also transportation uh, buildings energy uh, particularly in wind uh, energy um and 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 we offer like a range of services like uh, you know like for instance we have a green finance team um that helps with you know uh you know the green bonds and financing uh, mechanisms we also have uh, a corporate advisory group that advises corporates and businesses uh we have an assurance and certification team that looks at you know carbon labels and like you know certifying like carbon footprints uh we have a breakthrough and innovation team uh you know that looks at like incubation and new business models and things like that so so yeah i mean i think uh, yeah we work across a range of sectors but the, overall the agenda or the objective is is to be completely mission led um and and you know sort of driving this low carbon transformation within multiple sectors including food and agriculture yeah. and 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 how are you um how are you set up are you a charity are you non for profit are you for profit what what's the business business uh, background Yeah it's a non non profit uh, organization um yeah i mean i think all the profit sort of like it's used within the within the sort of uh, company itself within for the employees and also to like drive the drive the mission forward yeah 
Yeah. Okay. And then your role. Explain to us what, um, uh, as the agricultural foot, footprinting expert for, for the Carbon Trust, what is your, what, crikey, what's your average week? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it, it's it's really it's really interesting. I mean, also like coming from an academic background, uh, it, it it's quite it's quite uh, you know the projects are quite tangible. So I work with the businesses, uh, especially agri agri food businesses, right? I mean, so most of my work would involve looking at you know footprinting their operations. Uh, it could be you know their company or the the product that they produce, uh, you know, or their entire supply chain. Um, and sort of like provide them guidance on how they can transform their product or supply chains into more low carbon options. Wow. Um, so it's sort of identifying these options, telling them, you know, what is more feasible in terms of cost uh, and also like viability for their business and for their product. Um, and we also sort of like, yeah, like, uh, you know, help companies set targets in the future if they're ambitious enough, mm-hmm. uh, depending on their business growth and their ambitions, you know, where they want to be in 2050, 2030, 2025. And how they can get there, and and the sort of companies that that you're advising are, are these, are, are these lead me are, are they these bigger companies with uh, more 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 margin, more cash reserves that can invest in this sort of area, um, or is it a, a complete spread from small companies to, to large corporates that you're that you're handling? So yeah, we we handle like a, a variety of uh, companies. I mean, so it, it ranges from small companies to very specialized companies to like uh, large multinationals. Um, and all of them have different needs and all of them pose interesting questions. Um, because, I mean, even, even if like, you know, for instance, a small company that would work, basically, let's say, making fertilizers, for instance, I mean, they yeah. still need guidance on looking at the footprint of uh, the fertilizer production. But a yeah. big company which owns like a vertically, vertically integrated supply chain controlling most of the operations, um, they need help across the entire supply chain. So their scale might be a bit more massive. Um, but yeah, but we help all, all kinds of organizations. I, do you know, I think you're a very important uh, person because if you can adjust a company's view to go to a certain direction so that they're minimizing carbon and they weren't aware of that direction they needed to go in, but they, they were open to having that conversation with you and you can assist them to, to go in that, that the, the, the changes that you can make with your recommendations and influence are going to be, and, and, your, and the Carbon Trust are going to be significant. No, exactly. And I think, I think, um, yeah, companies are willing to like sort of change for a variety of reasons, isn't it? I mean, especially within the food and agriculture business. I mean, there is a whole lot of pressure coming from the consumer angle. Um, yep. So I think uh, I think Carbon Trust sort of like uh, did a recent survey with the YouGov, um, uh, which is an organization that does like digital analytics. And it was, it was interesting to see that, you know, around like more than, I mean, around two thirds of the people said that they want to be buying or be associated with yeah. the food brand that does, uh, you know, good for the environment. Yeah. Uh, and I think a recent survey said that, you know, something like carbon labeling, um, most of the respondents or most of the people or consumers uh, would want to see a label on the products uh, and yeah. they would want to purchase such products. So there's like push from the consumer side, right? I mean, so there is yeah. that demand coming in. Obviously, um, even the retailers, you know, for instance, for food producers, the retailers are demanding that food producers, you know, if they're buying from you as supplier, they need to have certain standards. Um, So even for the food retailers, like say Tesco, Waitrose or whoever, like for them to buy from you, you also need to like have these certifications or adhere to like best practices with respect to the environment. Uh, And also from the investment point of view, uh, investors are now looking more and more into like, oh, do you have a green accreditation or you have green certification? Are you sustainable? You know, that is becoming a a moot point in terms of making these decisions. 
and obviously like the regulations right i mean all countries yeah. around the world are signing pledges net zero uh, by 2035 or yeah. you know we want to be carbon neutral or all, all these things so there's a lot of push coming from all sides um and even for businesses i think uh, given i mean the basic fact is that most of our resources that we use are exhaustible um so you need to transition you need to be smart you need to be looking in the future and future proof your business against such yeah. risks as well well what well, well said we we got some concerns in the fresh produce sector that's uh, um oddly we we we're seeing this uh, great increase of the likes of plant based foods but if you if you look at the the, the breakdown of uh, of the manufacture of some of those highly processed plant based foods um actually they're, they're not they're not doing anything on a on an environmental sustainable basis we should just be eating um some, something decent as an as an apple so we're, we're a bit concerned about um, some of the uh, I, don't, i don't know if, the, if it's the right terminology the greenwashing that that goes on with Uh, with some product types but that's that's a that's a a question a comment for another time um emission sources what's what's your overview of the emission sources within within the sectors that you're associated with please so, yeah i think uh, so agriculture overall like i mean i think according to some recent uh, study that came out it contributes to around a third of the global emissions so it it is a major player in wow. terms of you know uh, emissions right um and within agriculture like if you look at the supply chain within agriculture uh, you know it starts off from making sort of like resources that are used within agriculture and this could be let's say fertilizers that are applied on the farm or animal feed that's made for animals right um and then you have the entire operation on the farm or in the forest or wherever that is um you know growing the animals or growing the crops and you know cutting the forest or whatever and then there is the element of taking that produce uh, from the farm um into like distributing it or marketing it and transporting it from manufacturing it processing it storing it packing it and sending it to the consumer's hands so there are emissions all across this spectrum uh, and it's important to understand the scale and extent of it um but to be sort of like um uh, most of the emissions happen happen from the production side so it's it's said that around 80% of the emissions happen from the production side which would be your emissions from you know uh, if it's if it's crop production it would be emissions from fertilizers on the soil all the farm machinery farm operations yeah. in a soil carbon emissions etc uh, and when it comes to animals it's all the i mean let's say burping and farting of uh, cattle and then your manure emissions uh, and things like that um so those are the those are the key uh, emissions sources with and obviously land use change right clearing of forests uh, for planting crops or animals um those are the main emission sources but then downstream sources like packaging storage manufacturing is also important got it thank you so so decarbonization in in, in the sector that trying to drive that action where, where where's this pressure coming from in that respect please yeah like i said i mean like you know it comes from the the consumer side um like we we talked about it like you know consumers are demanding more sustainable food products um and obviously uh, the regulations are getting more and more strict um in terms of you know uh, policies that need to be in place um you know by in 10 years 15 years 20 years 50 years i mean the paris agreement uh, was one uh, which was a vital sort of like uh, in a mandate that forced companies and organizations and even countries uh, to lower their environmental footprint and you know the emissions um and obviously like i said the investments that's coming in now people are checking for the you know the yeah. green record track track record of companies um yeah so and also like yeah from a, from a risk point of view i think it's also important you know because climate change is happening and we need to like adapt uh, in a way to change yeah. our practices 
Um, so yeah, I think it's coming from all sides, um, which, not, which might not be fair, but, but it, it is happening. Yeah. And are, are you positive that we can all collectively create the, the, the much needed change? Or, or, or are we being realistic? Are, are we fighting a losing battle? I think I think not. I think I don't think so. I think with my experience in this sector, uh, I think it's it's very refreshing. I mean, first of all, we are on our toes with respect to work. Yeah. Um, I mean, so that that kind of reflects as to like how much interest there is in the sector of companies trying to change, right? Um, so, like I said, for them, the companies are not looking at it from you know maybe in the past they looked at it as a CSR exercise like yeah, you know yeah. well looking yeah. good whatever but now it's it's more so like they think of it as a risk I mean I think COVID has kind of like shown that that like you know some sort of a like you know a, a, you know like an impact like or some sort of an event that happens like this mm. could have implications on the food system yeah. so I think climate change is something like that and which they're trying to future-proof themselves in that regard yeah. and I think that's where carbon trust sort of comes in isn't it like it because does. I mean, so first of all, companies need to understand what is actually happening within the system, what the environmental impact is. Yeah. And I think that's sort of like, you know, we have tools and strategies that we can use to help them sort of, you know, understand yeah. that. Brilliant. I, I keep on using this example. People must be so bored of me of using it, but it's a very good one. Uh, uh, Legal in general, one of, one of the largest pension funds in the, in the UK um, has stated that um, of the hundred top companies that they invest in with their pension funding, if they don't see those companies with a diversified board by the end of 2022, they're going to withdraw funding. Um, so they're actually changing, pushing um, societal change within those businesses uh, within quite, quite a short time frame now. And I, I think that example can be used to uh, food as well, that if, if we're not seeing that, that change, those investors aren't going to invest in those companies because the consumers aren't going to buy, buy those products. So if anything, uh, there's, there's naysayers um, out there. Why, why do I want to say Donald Trump? Um, th those people who don't don't see what's actually happening um, out there, and that we do need to create change, um, that they've sort of got to be positively forced. And, and so, in some respects, the market's coming coming towards your, yourself and, um, and and your 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 colleagues. So, 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 can we just look at that as a defined example? If, we, if we've got a, a medium-sized company or a large company in, in um, agriculture, the UK or Europe, and they've not engaged with the carbon trust before. Um, what 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 would your recommendation be? How how should they engage with with you? Uh, what how could they partner you? What what would they get from you? Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. I think we we offer a range of services, isn't it? I think I think first of all, I think the way this works is like I mean the basic service. I mean it's in it's in my title. It is it, footprinting. I mean so obviously uh, no points for guessing. We are a carbon trust. So what we mainly deal with is emissions of carbon um, across across different scales. Um, I, I think. The thing is, I mean, understanding your footprint of, you know, maybe they're, they're an organization, right? I mean, and you can understand the footprint of your organization, which involves all the energy that you use within the organization uh, and, 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 you know, all the electricity that you purchase, things like that. And then there's an element of understanding the emissions associated with your product. Um, and that involves, like, what are the sources of energy that are required to make the product? How did I get the raw materials for the product? how much transportation, distribution, packaging, et cetera, went into making that product, right? And putting it in front of the consumer. And then there's an element of value chain footprinting, which involves footprinting the entire supply chain of the company and the products that they put out. I mean, so all of this has different push points and different advantages. I mean, essentially the first, the first advantage is, I mean, the company sort of understands what are my hotspots of emissions? Right. Like where are my emissions coming from, right? I mean, and, and that's so critical because that could arise from a variety of different reasons. 
because it could be actually because you're using too much resources when you don't have to use that right yep. it could also be from you're wasting too many resources uh, and you could like reintegrate that back into the system and so this not only becomes a question of environmental impact it also becomes a question of minimizing costs yeah yep. so that is like definitely a great reason well for them to engage with us okay and just a major on that one cuz he he semi stole my uh my my answer to this question um if if there's ever a blocker it's the CFO the chief financial officer because they'll be just looking at the, the bottom right hand corner and say well look at the carbon trust they're, they're going to rightly say what wants a money subscription or whatever what's the ROI what's the return of investment going to be on this one um i don't approve as the CFO of engaging with with the carbon trust and uh, you'd hope that the rest of the, the board members and the rest of the team would say what well, we, we we cannot but engage with the carbon trust because if if we don't engage we're not going to have a planet we've all got to it, it so on a, on a financial perspective do you think there is actually a a a a decent ROI return of investment in going down this route deploying the carbon trust and, and deploying the new the new mechanisms the, the new elements with the supply chain do you think it can actually be, be beneficial financially to companies as well most definitely i mean that, exactly and what i said right now is 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 in the now right it's in the it's in the present i mean you you identify like inefficiencies in your supply chain when you do the footprinting and you're like okay i can go in there and i can be like okay i can reduce the waste there or i can substitute the energy source i'm using because it's too intensive and it's too costly uh, but then you understand like your supply chain the other aspect i told you about is the consumer expectation is rising i mean consumers don't want to be associated with products that are unsustainable yeah. so if you want to like make profits in the future if you want to have the same growth curves then you need to like invest and understand like what you're doing yeah. and again that is a reason to future proof your business against consumer demand right yeah, yeah. Um, and and again in terms of regulations i mean in 2035 if suddenly the i mean the, i mean it's a transition phase but then you can't just suddenly go 2035 and be like oh tomorrow i'm going to be carbon neutral like how are you going to be carbon neutral your whole entire business is going to collapse your supplier network would have to be different your process would have been different you have to like engage with different you know manufacturers technology and you have to invest in that now so yeah. uh, so it's not only a matter of like current interest but even in future interest i mean you have to sort of adapt to this yeah. uh, and there's no escaping it well, well done Do, you know i think that's that's probably a couple of minutes of the most important broadcast element that we've had on on beanstalk um and also also for, for people to but we we might snip it and and uh, so people can share that directly to their CFO to show them actually we can make money out of this and and also it's I'm, I'm going to swear it's bloody bloody important it's it's got to be done so so do you, the the companies that you're involved with just to just support that thread a little bit more are, are they successful in ado- adopting these measures and making these changes or or do you find do you find that um that 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 still finding blockers is it an easy process to go through Or, or is there a lot of heartache, but you've just got to go through it because you've just got to go through it. Yeah, and I, I think uh, yeah, obviously there are challenges, but I think uh, l- let me give you uh, for an, for an example. Like, so we work with a company called uh, Westphalia Fruit. I mean, so they are a company based in South Africa. Oh yeah, uh, and and they make uh, avocados. Um, so we we actually had to. So they had, they were doing this process for the first time. so they actually wanted to do a product carbon footprinting, which basically meant that they wanted to put a label. on their avocado and guacamole and avocado oil products that came out uh, you know and they were sold in the UK and South Africa and they really wanted to understand what the uh, carbon impact of producing that avocado or avocado oil or guacamole was um so so yeah i think it was very interesting because you know first of all like i mean they've never done it before and they were like, quite amazed at like you know the the breadth and the the scale of data that we you know were using and collecting and you know wow. the frameworks that we had in had had in place 
um but after we finished the exercise they, they were like oh wow i mean our emission source mainly is from our orchards because we had converted a bunch of like you know we had used like had some land use change emissions because we converted a bunch of land into like orchards uh, and be using a lot of fertilizers on the soils and in the orchards you know which leads to emissions and then we also air freighting like uh, you know our avocados onto uk but we could pinpoint each and every source and we could be like you could and you could improve these right i mean you could basically get okay. your elect- electricity your energy use on the farm yeah. from renewable energy resources yeah. uh, you could invest in like you know maybe a variable rate fertilizer application or you know, denitrification inhibitors or it's things to reduce your fertilizer emissions and also use different methods of transporting your goods and also packaging your goods with recycled components and all of this could actually change the supply chain and make it like less you know environmentally impactful right yeah, um yeah. and and that appeals to the consumers because when you put that label on there they're like oh we can trust this brand because they're doing something good for the environment fantastic and i go back to what i said earlier with, with you giving them sometimes in business that you sometimes in business you need someone like yourself to come along with cold eyes uh, to say don't do this do that and uh, because actually the the benefits is going to be uh um, xyz on a sustainability basis and actually you might smell, sell more products uh because because the consumer wants it and that, that's a brilliant example about westphalia because if uh, um if anyone doesn't know the 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 back story uh, to westphalia the individual who set up the the, the business oh it was uh, probably some um 100 years ago there's just an amazing story of how that individual created a, a regenerative agricultural business um in south africa it's all held in trust um and it it d- does so much globally if, if i got if i uh, said so if i got one tiny criticism of them they, they don't shout enough about it um and 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 that's that's a, that's a, that's a again a topic for another day with the with the fresh produce sector because they they very sometimes it's very difficult for them to get their message out out to to the consumer because they have to sell through through a retailer but just just on that side are, are you finding that that retailers whether it be in the UK Europe internationally are, are they looking to adopt are they keen to get this this message out um as well and and to be to be aligned to the carbon trust no but just get just in terms of getting the message out i mean westphalia now has a label so they have a carbon trust label that goes in the product now which is which is i think it's it's a great ex, i mean when you i mean so when i go out and i mean look at products and i see that label that label stands for something right and i mean uh, given working in the carbon trust i know the the amount of i mean technical scrutiny that we put through our calculations and the certification wow. and assurance that we do on our estimations to make sure that you know we are getting it right so if a company says that they're trying to reduce their carbon footprint and they have a reducing label they have a label which says they're carbon neutral i mean yeah. th- they are like committing to that high standards that we set and that is yeah. communicating to the consumers that they're doing the right thing um yeah. but yeah but it's not only like the small i mean the smaller brands or like you know specific uh, pro- uh, specific companies dealing with specific products but i mean even the multinationals you know like pepsico and mcdonalds and, and nestles and you know your uh, danones they are all engaging with us uh, you know in terms of various products that they have and because they all think it's super important in terms of doing that you know getting that message across to the consumers that they're doing the right thing yeah um uh, yeah go ahead next and, and uh, when you look at the likes of linkedin and and do you see that xyz has just been appointed head of sustainability for mcdonald's uh, uk and, and you can ditto that you can see that there's this drive there's 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 this uh, momentum to to creating to creating change just going back to westphalia model it's um um if if it's okay going to nominate them we've got um one of our sponsors here blue blue skies so, so they're amazing business based out of Ghana Benin Egypt 
South Africa and Brazil. If you bought sliced and diced fruit uh, from the likes of M&S, uh, Sainsbury's, Waitrose, Ocado in the UK, there's a, a high chance it's, uh, it's come from them. When, when I speak to people um, about blue skies, I, I try to educate them as to as to what they do. That they, um, they the, the first thing they say is about um, uh, the fact it's been air freighted. Uh, Max, this is this is this is wrong. The carbon footprint must be must be appalling. But where blue skies and other businesses have been so so clever is that um, the um, if anything that they're helping reduce that carbon footprint because rather than having a half empty airliner flying from A, a to B, uh, they can pack pack that um, that airliner full of fresh fruit uh, from from the likes of uh, Ghana. And then if you look at Ghana, uh, blue skies they're the largest private employer. In, in Ghana, so they employ some five and a half thousand people on site. There's an ecosystem um, around the, the site in Accra, the, the capital of, uh, of Ghana, of some 35, 40,000 people um, that if it wasn't for, for blue skies, um, would not have proper housing, would not have proper schooling, would not have uh, pro proper, proper sanitation. Um, and I believe that they're uh, fully uh, adoptive of, uh, of um, uh, Carbon Trust as well and had um, assistance um, to, to, to make sure that they're sustainable credit uh, credentials all placed in the right manner. So, so just help me with this one. Sometimes within the UK, we, we do, we're very parochial that we should only just buy uh, produce from, uh, from, from, from the UK. How do we get around that oxymoron uh, that we're flying product all, all around the world? Is that good or bad in, in the eyes of your, your, yourself and the Carbon Trust? Yeah, I think this is very important, right? I mean, for instance, um, yeah, I mean, all, I mean, I would, I would say like all local food is not sustainable. Because I mean, let's take, let's look at the UK. I mean, so there are certain products that you cannot produce in the UK given the 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 temperature and the weather in the UK. And you you would have I mean, if you try to produce that in a greenhouse or something here in the UK, that would be more emission intensive than actually importing yeah. it from elsewhere. Um, so and also um, yeah, so I mean that that applies for all products. I mean also like the seasonality of products, right? I mean yeah, at certain seasons, I mean yeah, it might make sense to produce something here, but you know if you want it like another season, I mean. It only makes sense to take it from a place where it can be grown naturally. So I think, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, that, that is important. So, you know, you can't just, and I mean, like I said, I mean, what, what we do when we do this uh, emission footprinting and we break down the different, uh, you know, sectors or different phases in a product's journey to becoming a product, we can clearly identify how much transportation contributes to the emission footprint. And, and to, be, to be honest, in most cases, most of your emissions come from the production side and the downstream emissions are like, not not that significant Excellent. um okay. so i think only for products like you know maybe for beverage products where they use aluminium packaging and things like that or cans then you know it becomes a bit more relevant but for the most part like you know in terms of your animal products meat products or your crop products or something it mostly comes from the production side yeah. um so the transportation is not like a big uh, player in that yeah. in that regard and, and also what we're, we're seeing i'm sure you are as well within the carbon trust is the innovation that, that is happening. You, you mentioned the likes of um, uh, glass houses. Where, where I'm stood here in Suffolk, um, a mile just north of me, there's a, a greenhouse that was uh, um, erected and completed in spring of, of this year, 70 million pound build uh, funded by pension funds. Um, and their technology is, is that they have plugged themselves into um, the local uh, sewage works uh, the, uh, the 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 uh, the treated sewage normally goes into the watercourses and is some 10 to 12 degrees higher than the the temperature of the watercourses courses and that causes an environment environmental problem. Um, the the team there realised that there was actually uh, an environmental positive of that heat differential. 
So instead of that treated sewage going into the watercourses, it's now pumped up to that greenhouse. Uh, there's um, half a dozen Italian heat extractor units that suck that heat differential out and it grows tomatoes, cucumbers and peppers and is then pumped back to the sewage station and pumped back at the correct temperature uh, back into, into, into the watercourse. It's amazing technology. They've got two sites uh, now live in, in East Anglia. So total spend of some 160, 170 million, again, pension fund um, spending. Um, and they've got plans for, for a dozen more um, in the UK. So it's, it's great that that sort of uh, technology is being, uh, be, being looked at and, and driven forward. And it was at, um, at a, our intro conversation, you were saying, saying about wind farming. And the, I, I looked at the stats for wind farming in the, in the UK. And that's amazing how that is uh, accelerating uh, further forward. So again, with, with the Carbon Trust, um, company, just, I just need to reiterate, companies can come to you if they're unsure of where they need to be to get to their net zero in 2000, 2030. And, and, and you can figuratively hold hands and assist them with your deep understanding of this whole area of the research, of the statistical information and, and, and lead them on that journey. Would, would that be correct? Exactly. I mean, let, let, me, let me break it down. I mean, so basically when companies, why, I mean, when companies come to us, we tell them, hey, this, we can calculate your baseline emission footprint, right? This is what you're doing right now. This is your main source of emissions. Uh, and this is the current situation. And then we tell them like, hey, do you want to set like science-based targets and science-based targets? I mean, there's science-based targets initiative. So what they say is that based on your business projections of future growth and based on, you know, the Paris agreements, you can commit to a 1.5 degree uh, warming uh, or a well below two degree warming. And for both these scenarios, you need to reduce your emissions, right? So from, from this point on, now you understand what you're emitting and you want to get to a future in 2035 or wherever where you want a 1.5 degree Celsius warming or a net zero or a carbon neutral or whatever you want to achieve. But you need to get, to get there, you need to reduce your emissions. So we also like not only give them the idea of like what they're emitting right now and where it's emitting from, but we also like provide them options as to how they can reduce the emissions to get to those targets. Wow. So we have them baseline footprint, set targets and hold their hands and make sure that they get to those targets in the most cost effective and feasible manner. And right. I think that, that is just the, the essence of it. Fantastic. Um, and, and if it's okay, I'm just going to present a, a hairy one over to you because we've had a great question in from Gary. Thank you, Gary. Gary, Gary Bradbury. Uh, what a huge frustration of agriculture and horticulture businesses when doing carbon footprinting is that the carbon traps trapped in the products they produce and sold off the farm is not recognised or counted. The argument is that carbon store in food is temporary and is respired to CO2 when the food is then eaten. But is that totally fair or correct? With fiber crops like cotton or flax, the carbon is held for several years. Is there any chance that the mythology could be changed? Thank you, Gary. Thanks, Gary. So yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry to throw that one out. You better be fascinated to hear, hear what you think. No, no, I think there is a case to be made for embodied carbon. I mean, yeah, I think there is some carbon store. I mean, not only like in the product itself, right? I mean, there is a case for case to be made for carbon sequestration as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, for trees and, you know, you're putting carbon in the soil and also putting carbon in, 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 in like, you know, just the product itself. So, yeah, I mean, the, the, the methodologies have been adopted. I mean, usually we use the methodologies that have been used by the intergovernmental panel for climate change. Um, and that sort of like looks at embodied carbon as well for the, for, for, for the most part. But, yeah, I mean, obviously the methodologies can be improved and it's always like been updated uh, to reflect the current reality. 
Um, but but yeah, I mean, I appreciate the question. I think that's a technical discussion to be had. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I completely agree. I mean, there's a case to be account for embodied carbon. Yeah. Yeah, understood. So, Saji, we're slightly running out of time. How can uh, companies contact yourself, the Carbon Trust, your your colleagues? How, how what what uh, on this uh, lovely expression of holding uh, holding their hand to, to create the success? How can they engage with you all, please? Yeah, so I think, yeah, obviously, uh, you, you can get in touch with the company directly. So we have a whole host of really nice client managers who are well equipped with the technical side of things, as well as to be able to provide you. Uh, I mean, actually, it's not it's not only about like, you know, contacting us, but I mean, the client managers are well versed to like sort of tell you like what sort of service and product, uh, you know, that you need at this point of time. Because if you're like, you know, just doing it for the first time, I think uh, it, it's important that, you know, like you, you get a bit more help. And you start off like in a bit, bit more, bit more of the data collection and a very, maybe like a easy or simplistic way of like looking at things. But yeah, like I mean, I think uh, you can contact us from the website easily. There are web forms there to contact us, or I think there are like uh, chat chatbots and like client managing uh, executives available. Uh, you can contact them directly as well, uh, and and they would put you in touch. Uh, I think once you once you, once they scope out the project with the business services team or the relevant teams that can help you. Excellent. And, and is it okay if we can grab you for some of our partners so that we can get you speaking at other events on a UK and an international basis just to get your message out? So that's okay. De- most definitely. I think, I think the thing is, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I think me and I mean, my colleagues at the Carbon Trust are not ashamed of speaking about this because I think we are, we are so invested in this and we're doing yeah. the right thing. Uh, and I mean, and, and, and most of it is transparent also. Uh, our methodologies and everything is transparent for people to see. Uh, you know, so I mean, most of the work that we've done with companies, uh, they, the companies publish it on their own website uh, as reports or it's on our website as reports. So I think, yeah, more more than happy to be able to speak and interact with the uh, international audience and your partners. Excellent. You, you are a force for good. So just before we we wrap up, we've got to ask you two questions. So the first one is, what is your favorite fresh produce, please? Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> uh, my favorite fresh produce would be... I mean, I have to say barley because it is used to make beer. Because <laughs> so, I, I like I like my pints, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say barley. Excellent. Uh, I wasn't expecting expecting that that one. So so let, let's just lead the witness slightly. If you if you're going to walk into if you're going to walk into Borough Market and uh, with you being based in London and you're going to buy some amazing fresh produce of a of a market stand, what? Um, over and above this, this lovely uh, pint of real uh, uh, lager or ale that's made out of fantastic barley. What what fruit or veg would you would you like to consume on the spot in Borough Market? I mean, I think I have to go for like a really boring option and say an apple because uh, I think I think that might be that might be more sustainable probably for the UK. I guess no, nothing wrong, wrong with an apple. And why? Just to wrap up, why is Liverpool the best football team in the world? I, I think. Yeah, I think Liverpool evokes, as a team, evokes like a different set of emotion. Like, I mean, I think if you're a Liverpool fan, you've been through all emotions in your life. It's such a roller coaster ride. I, mean, I can remember games where we've been down and out and we came back uh, you know, do, yeah. to do the impossible. I, I think plus, I think, you know, the supporters are, are great. And especially when you hear like, you'll never walk alone uh, in Anfield. I mean, that's, that's just like an atmosphere like no other. Uh, yeah. And now we have a great coach, uh, a great team that's that's on on onwards and upwards to do great things. But, but surely there's a, a, a fantastic connection here between uh, Liverpool Football Club and, and the Carbon Trust. You, you've got all the highs and lows of of, of if, if we don't all hold, hold hands that that we've got a big environmental issue. But with you 
and your leadership team within, within the Carbon Trust, we, we potentially could win this match. Does that work? Oh, yeah, I, I think, think yeah. I, I really hope we are on the up and there's no more downs. Um, and I think it, it, it suggests that way from, from the kind of, um, you know, uh, communications that we're having and the kind of uh, interest we're getting. Um, I think we are, we're on the way up and I think it's, it's, always, it's always great. I mean, first of, I mean, shout out to all the companies that are also working with us as well, because, I mean, they all have, uh, you know, the, the, the intentions in the right place. And I mean, hopefully like, you know, more and more companies, big companies, consumers, regulators, everybody gets yeah. together. Because I mean, it, it's, it's a joint, joint effort. I mean, it's not like, you know, somebody pushing on their own. And I think we are here to like make that change happen, right? We are here to provide information, knowledge experts uh, to help that happen. So, so actually, well, well done. I, I, I don't know quite how we, we managed to mix and mash and, and join together Liverpool uh, Football Club with the Carbon Trust, but I, th I think it works really well. If one thing I've learned over the last year, having done uh, over 100 broadcasts, is collaboration. I, we all need to collaborate with Sajiv and all of his colleagues at the Carbon Trust to create the success that we need to. Um, and so if, you, if you've got um, uh, a CFO who's a who doesn't understand actually the benefit of it, listen to that clip from, from earlier in the, uh, in, in the broadcast. Um, if you want to make a difference to your business and to the planet, um, listen to Sajiv and, and the Carbon Trust. Join with them. Sajiv, you've, you've been fantastic. Thank you very much for your, for your time. And we look forward to hopefully getting you and your colleagues on uh, on future broadcasts. No worries, Max. I mean, happy, happy for, me, for, for me and also from my colleague's side to speak. Uh, we're all interested in this. And thanks for the opportunity to uh, speak to Beanstalk Global. No, no problem. We look forward to Liverpool winning the uh, the the the, uh, the Premiership next year. <laughs> yes. All right. Thanks, Max. Cheers. Cheers. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. <laughs>